you would open your Bibles with me to Ezekiel chapter 34. At the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Ezekiel 34 is uh, in large measure about the burdens upon many people's hearts, the effects of injustices in this world and those that we participate in and those that we've experienced. And I want us, as we continue the thoughts that Caleb brought to us, I want us to read a little bit here from Ezekiel 34 to help us think about the cross of Christ, what he's accomplished, what this uh, sacrifice means for us and how it's really changed everything in the world and for us. Ezekiel 34, in verse 1, says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the Master Yahweh says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat. Wear the wool and butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd, and they became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God, because my flock, lacking a shepherd, has become prey and food for every wild animal. And because my shepherds do not search for my flock, and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I'm against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. What are the effects of injustice in this world for those of us who participate and experience it? This passage actually outlines quite a bit about it. Now, it's all in the context of these shepherds, which is the way God would talk about his leaders, those who were assigned to care for and guide and lead his people. Do you hear what God says had happened to these people? Uh, for one, the shepherds are condemned for not providing not providing. Isn't that what verses two and three say? You didn't care for them. You didn't feed them. You actually took the fat from them and the wool for yourself. You weren't providing. You were stealing, robbing them. So they weren't providing for these people. Verse four, he says, you have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured. Uh, these shepherds were not doing their duty to strengthen and heal those who are in trouble. Verses five through nine uh, portray for us how all of God's people, all of his sheep, were scattered, and there was nobody looking for them. Y'all know sheep are vulnerable animals. They're not hunters. They're not predators. They're not uh, ones that can even sustain themselves because of their uh, being fleet of foot or strong. Or so. No, sheep are vulnerable animals. And when they get scattered, somebody's got to go track them down. There was nobody seeking these sheep, rescuing them, gathering them together. That's another thing. Sheep operate in herds. They don't operate on their own. And God says, why weren't you bringing these sheep together, doing your job as a shepherd? You skip down to verse 17 beyond what we read. Listen to something God says. He says, as for you, my flock, the Lord God says this. Look, I'm going to judge between one sheep and another, between the rams and the goats, which implies that these shepherds were not doing this job to judge between their sheep. 
to see which how these sheep were behaving and treating one another. I want you to think for a second about people that you've experienced in your life who are supposed to be good shepherds to you. Somebody who's supposed to provide for you, but they didn't. People who promised to strengthen or heal, they didn't do that. If anything, they tore you down, made you weaker. What about those who, when you were in trouble, had said, hey, I'll, I'll look out for you. I'll take care of you. I'll rescue you when you're no rescue. Actually, just got worse. And those who should make fair judgments didn't happen. We could go around this room, and I hope you're doing it right now in your heart. Well, not too much. We're going to pivot on that in a second. But I really think it's important to think about this. Were there parents and caregivers who were supposed to do these things, and they failed in your life? Bosses, employers, authority figures, uh, teachers who should have done these kinds of, but then actually turned back on it. People maybe even, God forbid, but we know it happens in churches that we've been in where we see these kinds of things have occurred. God hates this. In verse 11, the Lord doesn't end it there. Just talking about these perpetrators of these evils and the effects of these evils. Listen to what he says in verse 11. But this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. Don't you like that imagery? The rain ain't keeping God in. The storm ain't keeping God away from what needs to be done. A day of darkness and cloud. He's still going out to gather his sheep. I will bring them, verse 13 continues, I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries and bring them to their own soil. I'll shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them in good pasture and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy the fat and strong. I will shepherd them with justice. God's promise is, I know there were those caregivers and parental figures who let you down. I know there were those bosses and teachers and authority figures who betrayed you or mistreated you. I know in churches you've been and in societies you've been, all these things, but I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm not going to leave you to these effects. I'm not going to leave you to this pain and destruction. I will come and I'll do it. Verse 25, as you go down further in the text, he makes it even stronger. Listen to what he says in verse 25. Ezekiel 34, verse 25. As God has promised to take the place of the shepherds, he says, I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate dangerous creatures from the land so that they may live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the forest. God says, this is sure. I'm not just talking. I mean, I'm going to make this serious, a covenant. Uh, we, Kayla spoke of this yesterday a little bit uh, with the with the young people with uh, thinking about the notion of covenant, which is something that we don't consider very often because we're our society at large is not a covenant kind of society. And guess what? It wasn't back then either. God's saying, "I'm different. I'm not just saying something. I mean it when I say it. I'm going to make whatever sacrifices necessary, and you can count on it when I tell you that I'm going to fix these things." There, verse thirty one. He says, "You are my flock, the human flock of my pasture." In case you got mixed up in all the imagery, God's saying, I'm talking about y'all people. 
my sheep and I'm your shepherd. And I am your God. This is the declaration of the Lord God. You're going to know me through this, God says. You're going to know that I'm something different. I'm something better. I care for you. All the ill effects of sin in your life and in the world around you, I'm going to put it right. I'm going to come and I'm going to rescue you, gather you, protect you, feed you, strengthen you, heal you, give you all the stuff you need. Centuries later, there was a man who walked around talking like he was something special. Everybody would get upset with him, actually, because the things he would say really made him equal with God himself. In John chapter 10, Jesus affirms this promise that God made so long ago in Ezekiel 34. And he attaches it to himself. And specifically, he attaches it to what we're about to remember in the death and resurrection, the covenant and the reign of Jesus. John chapter 10 and in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. The hired hand, those bad shepherds in the world, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And Jesus, here speaking to this specific crowd of people, these Jews, speaks of people, people like us. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then they will be one flock, one shepherd, just like God promised so long ago in Ezekiel 34. This is what the Father loves. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, which is important for us to remember as we take this meal. It's important for his disciples to know all the things that transpired, the betrayal, the lies, the abuse, the hanging on the cross, the mockings, the death that he died, a criminal's death in his day. It looked like his life had gotten snatched away from him. This one who had walked on water and healed the sick and fed thousands with just a little bit of food and done all these amazing things and spoken like nobody had ever spoken before, just snatched away. Jesus says, no. Nobody snatches this life from me. I'm laying it down because I know my sheep and they know me. I'm laying it down because I know the Father and his name must be known in all the earth. I lay it down to save you, to rescue, to heal you, to feed you. I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my Father. As we take the bread and the cup today, what we're remembering is this truth that Jesus said. This bread that we take is the remembrance that he laid down his life. But not like any other life that was laid down. There are actually many people who've laid down their lives, who didn't have their lives snatched from them, but they gave them for others to rectify some kind of unrighteousness or injustice in the world. And while we're inspired and moved and grateful for those sacrifices, they didn't solve anything because they couldn't take it back up again. This life is something different. He laid down his life and he's taken it up again, never to die again, to reign at the right hand of God. And as we drink the cup, we remember that his death has brought about that promise of God, the covenant that he will strengthen us and heal us, that he will feed us and provide for us, that he'll seek us out whenever we've gone far away, 
This is his covenant of peace for us, his sheep. The death of Christ, our good shepherd, who laid down his life to take it up again to establish the covenant that God would provide for us now and always.